plus rather than you know anything uh, too tough, which is which is remarkable because it is obviously you know less than optimal conditions uh, as we might as, as we might sort of discuss in the in the course of this show. So uh, we will see. Uh, we UK see economy UK economy grew by 0.3 percent in the last quarter. Things are looking bright. Stunning, stunning. We just got to get into like just get get off the decimal point, and uh, and we, we might just uh, you know be satisfied with that. Um, but uh, but there we go. Anyway, folks, um, welcome everybody to Brain Food Live on Air, bringing it to you every Friday, no fail. Um, it is um, episode two four zero uh, two four zero, and it's the second and last part of our forecasting for two thousand twenty four. Because I think um, you can't really keep on forecasting what's going on in the year as we're already into it. So this is the the, the last time um, that we're going to do this. Um, we'll probably end up doing a review of this in twelve months' time to see how we how we got on um but we've got a massive like a, a an awesome uh, guest list I, I call it like the tarantino style you know ensemble cast because uh, we've got loads of great people here that are gonna uh, join us and just uh, drop us their wisdom uh on their uh, on their particular domain uh for what's happening this year so it should be fantastic um okay uh before we kick off let's just do some sound checks make sure everything hear me okay these things look sound as if they're literally plugs in my ears i'm not even sure my audio is okay but let me check if your audio is fine let me know in the comments if you can um see or hear and hear me and adam all right um so if you're watching this on chat chat uh, crowdcast uh ping me a message on on the chat there um, there's loads of people again. We're getting into a really good habit of broadcasting this on LinkedIn Live. So I think there's about, I think seven people who are broadcasting this on LinkedIn right now. So fantastic to all of you people. Uh, Rob Walker, Adam, you're doing it. Um, uh, Juliana, of course, she's starting to do this regular as well. Great to see you, Juliana. If you're watching this show on those channels as well, um, do let me know in the in the comment thread whether the audio visual is okay. Um, I think I'm getting some notifications through. Something's changed here. That's positive. Positive. Um, I'm getting information without needing to check my phone, which is good. Okay, it looks like it's happening, which is fantastic. Um, and everything is 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 going fine. So yeah, we're live everywhere. All right, great stuff. Um, let's uh, let's get on with this. Um, I mean, firstly, before we any more further to do, uh, we always have to thank our sponsors for supporting Brain Food Live. As ever, we always have somebody uh, stepping up and doing it um, and making sure this conversation stays uh, on course for us. Uh, so this week, um, I'm delighted uh, to say it's uh, it's one of the uh, the most impressive businesses that have come out of the UK in the last couple of years. Um, it's Otter.com uh, that are sponsoring us. Um, I think it's their first sponsor insert on Brain Food Live ever. So great to see them do that. But let me not do too much talking because it's always better to hear from them. So let's bring on uh, Finn here. He's gonna he's gonna say hello um, because sponsors have to do a bit of work when they come onto Brain Food. So let's invite uh, Finn here. And, uh, and and he can tell us a little bit about uh, why why Otter is all what it's all about. Um, there we go. I think it's I think it's happening. Should there should be some sort of um, there should oh Letitia's here. Great to see you, Letitia. Looking forward to bringing you on screen shortly. Fantastic stuff. And there Hello, he is. How are you doing? I'm all right, Finn. How are you? Very well, thanks, buddy. You hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you fine. Marginally disappointed that you're not wearing the Otter swag, mate. What's... <laughs> well, we're sponsoring from a few episodes, so I'm going to up my game. This is my first one. You don't have to me. wash the single T-shirt that Otter have as swag. You can, you Tattoo. can, you know. <laughs> tattoos. Good one, Adam. Yeah, tattoos. I need to get that. I wonder if I get a pay rise for that. <laughs> That's it. Um, uh, well, Finn, listen, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you particularly? And, and uh, you know, tell us a little bit about Otter. Like, who needs to care about this? Absolutely. So thanks for having us on. My name is Finn. I run the commercial team over at Otta, which is O-T-T-A, in case you can understand my Scottish dulcet tones. Um, we've been working for four years to try and make job search a whole lot of a lot less soul destroying. And we've done that by trying to really reduce the noise that unfortunately for all ends of the market exists um, in recruitment. So for candidates, if you're looking for work at the moment, what you'll find by coming onto our platform is really tailored job matches for you not just based on the obvious stuff, but actually your ambitions and the culture fit and the things you really want to know about an organization before you decide whether they're worth applying to. And Hung, because I know many of your audience are looking for work at the moment, it's worth noting that we've got over nearly 1,400 positions on the platform today, which are in HR and TA. 
So there are new jobs coming on every day and it's worth regularly checking. So that's for candidates. But for companies on the other side of the marketplace, it's exactly the same proposition. It's about reducing the noise which exists. So we're about better but fewer quality applications. Give you a sense, like a company like Funding Circle in the UK, they actually offer every one in three candidates from Otter that they interview. And this is the key bit of our proposition. It's, you know, we're for fast growth, innovative tech-driven businesses, but it's a global proposition now. We're 1.7 million job seekers around the world. And this January to March moment really is peak. I was just looking at the, the, the data this morning. We're already 27% up on last year in terms of job seeker activity. So if you're, if you're a recruiter today, that you're one of these businesses, definitely get in touch. We can help you hire and hire more efficiently than before. And I really look forward to next week going into some of these trends in more depth with you. So I think we've got a whole hour to really dive what's happening in the state of hiring in, in tech and fast growth businesses. Yeah, fantastic, Finn. I mean, two things to mention there. Firstly, I didn't realize that you guys had like HR and TA roles on platform. Folks, sign up to it. Um, I mean, there's some really good quality businesses that are actually on Otter. Um, so, you know, if, you, if you're if just sitting there relying on LinkedIn, for instance, uh, there's obviously one thing you should do, but pile into Otter as a candidate and see what opportunities emerge from there. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, the second point is this period, January, the first quarter is hyperactivity for, 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 for job search for almost everybody. Um, so if you are hiring for whatever roles that, that you are, you need maximum exposure on the right platform to do that. So check out otter.com, um, O-T-T-A.com. And, uh, and yeah, we've got lots of unsolicited. I don't know whether they are solicited, actually. Have you paid these people? Um, to, uh, <laughs> actually, positive, no. <laughs> positive comments. Give give Julia and uh, and Lauren some extra credits on otter.com because they're saying nice things for you. Um, okay. okay, listen, uh, Finn, we're going to bring you back next week. By the way, we're going to talk big landscape, what's happening in tech hiring 2024 from Otter's data platform. So this is going to be really good data. First time it's ever shared. So make sure you sign up for that. Um, but yeah, hang around for the rest of the show, Finn. It'd be wonderful to have your uh, kind of insight and commentary as we talk. Go ahead, Adam. Uh, so before we went live, <clears throat> Hung asked me why I'm wearing a denim shirt. I'm going to go out and do some construction jobs or something like that. I was just taking a look at Finn there on LinkedIn. Not only has he got a very, very good CV, but he's wearing a denim shirt. And is, uh, so he's going to go and do some construction, I think, after he got that LinkedIn picture taken. <laughs> and, and Scottish, Adam, of course. It's a Scottish thing. <laughs> maybe. maybe uh, I hope you guys like kind of uh, reinvent the denim, the denim shirt yeah. as the fashion it's item. Building. Uh, it's yeah. building technology company where that's what it that's is. That's it. Serious business, serious business. All right, Finn, listen, we'll let you go now. And yeah, uh, yeah we'll hang, hang around for the rest of the show. It'll be good to get your commentary in the chat, mate. Cool. See you soon. Bye. Cool. Um, all right, folks. By the way, I need to direct everybody who's watching this on Crowdcast to check out the poll on the right-hand sidebar of the screen. Can you please put uh, your your votes onto the five options I've provided for you? So this is your forecast as to what you anticipate happening um, in 2024 uh, with regards to your hiring volume compared to uh, last year. I just want to get a bit of a sense as to where we're at with all of this because we've got our guests are going to do some forecasting. I want you to do some forecasting as well. Um, all right, Adam, we've got to go quick because obviously time short. Um, can you give us a quick uh, couple of updates from the newsletter last week, mate? Yeah, so the AI something, um, did, <laughs> which could be any of the articles, to be honest. Um, yep. <clears throat> the AI something, I can't remember, it's their YouTube channel, um, did a video which was, here's the jobs that are disappearing right now because of AI. Um, some of them really obvious, like customer services, telesales, um, things like, oh, uh, fast, food, fast food cooks, that type of thing. Um, I wasn't entirely sure what, like, how many jobs in object detect detection are really going to disappear as a result of AI? Because I don't actually know anybody that works in object detection. Um, I thought that taxi drivers was a little bit like ambitious. I don't think they're disappearing oh, yeah. today. Maybe in Silicon Valley, big, long, big, straight roads, wide roads, but certainly not here, I don't think. No. But a lot of it, travel agents, yeah, I mean, I mean you've got to have a really low patience threshold um, to need to use a travel agent today. Yeah, um, yeah, good, 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 worth looking. If you've not seen other things that, that offer the same type of information um, or you're looking for an update, then I would uh, look at that, look at that video.
Did you see the, have you seen, because it's CES happening right now, right? So the Consumer Electronics Show, um, and a lot of it is these uh, basically embodied AI, you know, the cooking robots and stuff like this. And obviously it's wonderful to see literally this robot crack an egg, you know, uh, do a proper whisk of it and, you know, a per perfectly tiny thing. You know what? A lot of those manual jobs in restaurants um, obviously can be can be performed uh, by these machines. And, and if not now, then very, very shortly. Um, yeah. And this thing will never, never get tired. It'll never get annoyed. It'll always be perfectly delivering um, uh, this, uh, this food. So, so yeah, it's gonna be crazy. It's not just, it's not just like these lower-paid jobs in things like customer service and like you know, um, flipping burgers. It's not just stuff like that. The one that they spent the longest on explaining was accounting. Uh, I mean, accountants typically are you know pretty well-paid jobs, but I've got to say. <laughs> If my if if my children said to me, yeah, I'm thinking about becoming an accountant, I'd be like, well, I think great skills to have to then go and do something, you know, with those skills that's not being an accountant, because I I, mm. I don't think there's I don't I don't think there's going to be nearly as many accountants or lawyers for that matter in in five years or especially in ten years than there is today. I think that's definitely true. I mean, those jobs should be automated, uh, I think. And this is with due respect to anybody who's doing those those functions. Um, yeah. But you, they're fundamentally about um, human beings uh, processing a lot of information and then spitting out a summary of it. So, you know, there's no question why a machine shouldn't be able to do that better. Um, however, they are powerful vested interests within the system. So there's a lot of you know, a lot of those professions are, are powerful within society. So I think they'll, I mean, look, lawyers are going to yeah. legislate against like, being disintermediated. No so, boss. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be uh, one of those things. All right, give us one more. Somebody, uh, somebody did get their, somebody did get their, their, um, like thrown out of court in the USA, I think in December, because the, everything that they'd put together was with ChatGPT and it was all yeah. nonsense. It was like, there was yeah. made up case histories and things like that. Um, okay, uh, Gartner, Gartner have said they understand half of consumers are going to either considerably reduce or abandon their use of social media by 2025 because of the perceived decay in the quality of the platform through things like misinformation, toxic users, bots. Um, it was a it was a study of two hundred and sixty three people, so it wasn't exactly a widespread um, piece of research. However, quite interesting, and they pointed out that seven out of ten people said that the integration of generative AI will be harmful to social media. Which I, I, I don't really see. I don't know. But it, it was it was interesting to see. It it remains. Despite that, it remains the top choice, the top channel for digital marketers. Um, but their advice is that it's, it's, companies are going to have to adapt. And personally, I don't disagree. Things like community, like the fly, flywheel type of approach, pipelining type of approach, marketing automation, all of those types of things, like creating community, you know, it's probably never been more important than ever to get your game right on that. But um, I don't know. Never It'd be interesting more to see the comments. What people think? Yeah, I, folks. I mean, there's a little, little um, sort of experiment for you. Do, have you kind of decided to use social media less in 2024? Let me know generally whether that's yes, no, or whether you haven't thought about it. Um, because according to Gartner, um, a lot of people are saying they're definitely cutting back. Um, I think the, the, there's something there, particularly because we we're, we're, there's almost no place to go now because Facebook's a dead a dead duck. Um, uh, X is turning into super toxic environment. I mean, it it just you know it's hard to be on X when Elon Musk is stepping in and and literally saying things that you think what the you know WTF on on the latest thing and you think guy like that in charge with his opinions. Um, uh, you know, if he has those opinions, he should really be stepping back from him because he, he can't just have play a neutral role given his ownership of the platform. Um, uh, but it also means it's driving a lot of people away. Um, I mean, Bass just mentioned he's quit X as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, every time I go onto go? Twitter, I, I every single time I go onto Twitter, which is about once a day, I consider I, I see posts, I see, I see tweets from you, and and then I consider quitting. <laughs> 
Two are not really linked, but that's what happens. That's no, the process. That, that's that's my that's my underlying motive. I'm trying to help everybody by being obnoxious on 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 Twitter and then driving everyone off. But we are bouncing away from it, and we're missing something because LinkedIn is doesn't do it. Facebook doesn't do it. All of the video channels like TikTok, Snapchat, whatever, they're not really social media. They're more consumer-based, so you, you kind of watch it rather than you know interact. Uh, so we're missing an opportunity there. Someone needs to rebuild something. Um, but you know, for us in Brain Food, I think we're pretty cool because obviously we've got uh, loads of places to talk, but a lot of other people don't actually have those spaces. So there'll, there'll be an opportunity there for someone. Um, all right, listen. Uh, we've got to crack on because we've got a big old list. So let's uh, let's go straight into this. Um, uh, we're going to bring on Pavel Adrian to uh, begin with um, because he can give us the uh, the big old overview um, as to what's happening. Let me just see if I can find Pavel actually. Oh God, I got to got to search. Bear with me two seconds, everybody. Just while you're uh, while you're bringing Pavel on, I just I'm just going to read out what um, Corn Ferry. The, the the last thing I was going to talk about is Corn Ferry's right. 2024 trends. Go on. So they're, they're saying AI and recruiters will find some harmony this year. Candidates will be using AI for applying a lot. Uh, companies need to double down on early career hiring. Could not agree more. They need people who are they going to be able to mold into jobs that don't exist yet. And therefore, yeah. nobody has experience in. Um, CEOs will have more empathy this year. I don't believe that. Uh, no, but there's no reason like, for that. People need to relocate or resign progressively more especially in the states because people are going back to office there you go finn finn clark this is how you this is how you pimp your brand man you know you, you come on with swag um and it looks like actually it's it's it's, it's, it's an adidas a, a football shirt as well with, with the indeed brand on it that's crazy it's amazing um, <laughs> love it and i'm not sure pavel's the most irish name i've ever heard either so well, I'm celebrating the fact that Indeed did sponsor the Irish Olympic team, and I will be in Dublin next week. So uh, if anyone oh. wants to uh, say hello while I'm there, uh, feel you free to. You actually do have an Irish be. accent. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. <laughs> Pavel, it's wonderful to see you on the show as usual. Uh, can you quickly introduce yourself to the people who don't know who you are? Uh, sure. Um, hello, everyone. It's uh, great to be back on Breakfast Live. Uh, my name is Pavel, and I am the head of economic research at Indeed for Europe and Asia. And so our team is called the Hiring Lab, the Indeed Hiring Lab, and we publish research on what's going on in the labor markets all over the world. And obviously everyone knows Indeed, very few companies have the scope of Indeed. So the data that comes from Hiring Labs is just so interesting to observe um, because it is basically job posting data and also candidate behavior data. And that's like, okay, this is actually happening out there. Um, by the way, Hiring Labs is there regular blogging uh, stroke newsletter type service totally subscribe to that so uh, someone stick a, a link into the chat stream there that's something that people should be like you, you know if you're you, you, you're involved in brain food in any way i would totally recommend you uh, uh, be a regular uh, reader of that blog um okay cool um so pavel uh, forecasting 2024 man um give us the in fact, give us whatever level you want, high, low, middle. Um, uh, what's what's going to happen in recruiting in this year, mate? Um, so let me talk a little bit about the demand side, the demand for hires, and a little bit about candidate behavior and uh, what we're already seeing on Indeed uh, in 2024 and, and hopefully use that as a basis for making some predictions. Um, economists are notoriously bad at forecasting. Um, you might remember that a year ago, everybody was predicting a major recession. And then throughout the year, we've, we saw you know, a really big slowdown in the labor market, which uh, we saw, especially in vacancies, job openings, kind of gradually falling across many markets. But uh, economists' predictions about the recession have receded quite a bit, especially in the US. Um, and so, uh, you know, I expect that kind of slowdown in the labor market to continue gradually in 2024, but more as a continued normalization, stabilization of the market rather than a big crash. Um, for now, all the signs are that uh, resilience in the labor market is likely to continue. Um, and I think that's fair to say, especially in the US, uh, where the December jobs report really surprised on the upside. 
And job creation is a lot slower in the US today than it was a year ago, but it's still pretty robust. And so that's that's a good sign for the overall US labor market outlook for 2024. Um, in the UK and the Euro area, the economic forecasts are a little less sanguine. So despite the good news about UK's GDP this morning, um, the November figure was quite good. But as Hung said at the beginning, it's still, you know, zero point something and the growth outlook isn't great. So, um, so I would certainly expect that sort of gradual slowdown to continue. But um, the labor markets are still very tight everywhere. There are still a lot of job openings. Um, you know, the UK has almost a million vacancies still, according to the latest uh, official data. Germany has got 1.7 million uh, vacancies, the Netherlands 400,000. So these are some big numbers for these markets. Um, and so even if that continues to come down a lot, there's still a lot of demand uh, for stuff, still a lot of uh, demand for, for hires. And where, if we look where, at... Sorry, Pavel, where are those vacancies, man? I mean, because uh, let's talk sectors on this, um, because a million seems a lot, but are they clustered in certain areas of the country yes. or clustered in certain, in, in certain sectors as well? Yeah, so for example, in the UK, you know, about a third of the vacancies are in, in London and, and Greater London. And that's, that's a typical figure that's quite stable over time. But your question about sectors is, is really great because there is a lot of variation by sector in terms of the trends. So for instance, uh, of course, many of us focus on tech and uh, tech job postings on Indeed in you know, big markets like the UK and the US fell by about 60-70% um, between their 2022 peak and the end of 2023. And they seem to have stabilized right now, but we're still not seeing you know, signs of a major comeback. So again, those postings still exist. There's, there's still tech recruitment, obviously. Uh, we're not yet seeing uh, much of a pickup from those abnormally high levels. Um, and at the same time, we have really uh, solid um, uh, flow of job openings in areas like uh, healthcare, construction, retail. So, you know, some of those denim shirts might come in handy for, uh, for the construction jobs. Um, those are areas where we're still seeing a lot of uh, demand uh, from employers well above pre-pandemic numbers. Yeah. And that, that doesn't that chime with kind of everyone's sense, folks, is like all of the the you know, the, in the before times, the stuff that we're really interested in hiring for, the tech people, et cetera, that has kind of created. Um, uh, but the the blue collar work, the on-premise work, the healthcare, retail, construction, there've been persistent labor market shortages for these for a very long time. And they, they're they still uh, the case. So we were lacking workforce in there. Any reasons? What, what are your, uh, have you got any theories as to why there's this persistent shortfall, Pavel? Uh, I mean, there are some areas where uh, the workforce has been aging gradually over time. You know, there was uh, a lot of noise about uh, drivers uh, at some point about a year to two years ago. You know, the, the workforce has been aging and people haven't been training for those jobs. I think that has improved a little bit, in at least in Europe, in, in, in driving specifically. But there are still lots of jobs in the skilled trades, for instance, where, you know, training isn't uh isn't up to scratch um and then i think on the digital side as well you know uh, people you know there's a shortage of digital skills and that will be more and more needed over time so i think there are some some of these chronic uh, chronic shortages for a lot of countries you know immigration uh has been and will be a route to get more labor supply um in those areas uh so for example in australia in Germany and Canada, we're still seeing you know, very, very high inflows of foreign workers. In other countries like the UK or the US, uh, that isn't happening to the same extent. So the question is, you know, what, what, what will happen in, in those areas? Where, where will those skills be coming from? Yeah, I mean, we've got to, that's got to just inflate the salary, really. I mean, um, at the end of the day, if you have cut off, if you like, immigrant labor, um, uh, then, you know, what else can employers do other than try and compete for the existing labor market that there, that there is and, and, you know, try and make it a little bit more competitive. But I think we're at the point with, with a lot of these industries that they couldn't put the salaries up too much any further without while still maintaining the, the unit economics that they have. So, for instance, if you go to a restaurant, for instance, and you're looking to eat a dinner for 30 pounds or something, you know what? You've, that's probably too cheap, um, uh, you know, because the restaurant needs to pay X amount in order to actually hire the staff. So now that's a third. It's a 50 
pound dinner. Um, and then that comes to a point where actually you don't want to go to that uh, restaurant anymore because it's too expensive. And, you know, we're in that type of world where these trade-offs will start and will, will be starting to happen. Um, sorry, Pavel, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you know, I think consumers are used to sort of binging on cheap products, uh, which are cheap in, 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 in part thanks to cheap labor. And so if yeah, we don't have that cheap labor anymore, then, you know, some sometimes prices may have to go up. And that's often what happens also, you know, uh, in the debate on minimum wages. You know, we've seen a lot of countries raise the minimum wage quite a lot, um, you know, up to, say, 10 percent in, in certain countries like uh, Germany, for instance. And we've got you know a few more minimum wage increases coming up. There's a you know rise in the UK in April, probably about a four percent rise in Spain, uh, which is where I am based. And have we lost Pavel or is it me? Uh, no, it's not you. It's Pavel. Great. Okay. You're Can back. you hear me? Yeah, you said you're okay. based in All Spain. Right. Sorry about that. I'm based in Spain. Yeah, and so you know I think there's this trade-off between paying people well, maintaining good labor standards, and, and actually, you know, uh, then, you know, consumers having to, to pay for that in part. Uh, but, you know, overall wage growth um, uh, has been slowing in, in most places, at least in the Eurozone and in the US, um, because of that uh, easing of the labor market uh, tightness. Um, and so that means that, um, you know, hiring should become more and more affordable for employers uh, overall. It probably also means that in, on the candidate side in 2024, we're likely to see less job switching uh, because, you know, many people have switched jobs in part because you were able to get, you know, a better, better salary in many cases by switching jobs as wage growth slows and inflation slows. Uh, we're likely to see a bit less uh, job switching and probably more hiring from unemployment. Uh, because unemployment has been ticking up in, in certain countries, especially across Europe. Uh, the, the good thing for recruiters is that what we've seen so far in January on Indeed is that we, we're, we're seeing the usual rebound in job search activity. So normally uh, January has you know much higher job search levels than, than the pre-Christmas pre period in December. Uh, you know, new job, uh, new year, new job, etc. And so we're, we've been seeing it, the rebound isn't as strong as it was a year ago. And in part, it could be because those opportunities to make more money aren't as widespread. Um, but we've still seen like about 20 to 30 percent uh, jump uh, relative to the pre-Christmas period in the US, UK, Germany, some some big markets. So I, I suspect that, you know, the the flow of candidates at the macro level, at the overall level will will remain fairly uh, vibrant this year. Thank you very much, Pavel. That's a great overview. Um, and it kind of gives us a sense that, you know what, if you're a recruiter working in certain sectors, then it, as an agency, I would imagine if you're an agency working in a in a, a place where there's high demand uh, for labor, but you know, a bit of a short market, you might be doing extremely well. Um, uh, if you're working in a more sedate kind of uh, uh, sector we, where there, there isn't that huge demand, then it's going to be a little bit tougher uh, to operate. Um, but uh, but yeah, one of the things that I think re recruiters generally have is the ability to be uh, adaptable and agile um, and sector agnostic to a certain degree. So, um, uh, you know, let's hope uh, uh, some of those folks can stay smart uh, and clever as we move on uh, through the rest of the year. Okay, Pavel, before I let you go, what's the final bit of uh, advice you would give to anybody who's a recruiter today, staring down in 2024? What kind of things should they be doing uh, to make sure that they're in good shape, be they agency or in-house? Um, I'll say two things. One, uh, stay vigilant. You know, things can surprise on the upside and on the downside. You know, geopolitics, oil prices, all these things could could surprise su surprise us negatively. But at the same time, you know, we could see some positive signs as well. So so be ready for to react uh, in your market. And two, the other thing I would say is um, candidates still seem to value flexibility, uh, remote working, all those kinds of features of jobs we see. That searches on Indeed for keywords related to remote work uh, remain quite high, maybe not as high as they were a year ago as a share of all searches, but still uh, much higher than, than they used to be, much higher than before the pandemic. So I think flexibility is going to continue being, you know, one of one of the main main words to describe the labor market in 2024. Yeah, we as people want it, and then, but it's interesting that the the, the sectors that are, have most labor shortage are the ones that have jobs which are basically not remotable. 
Um, so I think those two things may well be uh, uh, correlate very very accurately. Um, but uh, but yeah, very interesting, Pavel. Listen, uh, obviously, 10 minutes is not enough uh, to get to your brains on screen, but we have to move on. Uh, great to see you, sir. We'll catch up soon. Uh, thank you for joining us, Pavel. Thanks for having me. He is a top top geezer, Pavel Adrian. Top geezer. Um, where, in Spain, where in Spain is he? Do you know? I, I don't, but it's somewhere nice. <laughs> it's, I was going like, to ask that. I love Spain. It, it's like Malaga or something. So I don't think it's 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 one of the big. It's not 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 Barcelona, Madrid, but it's a smaller city in the south. Um, but yeah, I think plenty of people have made that move. Um, Seville, Sevilla. Is it Sevilla? Yeah, hottest place I've ever wow. been. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is where you get your oranges, don't you? But anyway, I'd love to go. Um, my Spanish experience basically is just Barcelona, Madrid, so I need to correct for that uh, and sort that out for 2024. That's for sure. Um, okay, we're gonna bring on Kalpesh Baxi and Emma Murrington, um, and they're gonna try and like you know look at things from agency side and, and investment side, and also um, in house as well. There's Kalpesh. Kalpesh, how are you doing, sir? Amazing. Good to see you again. Twice in two days. Uh, no, too much, mate. Too much. Kalpesh is very generous in hosting breakfast for for myself and a bunch of other, uh, you know, uh, uh, tech people, founder people. Uh, yesterday it was fantastic. Um, the goose. So we have, was the goose there? The goose was my own sort of. Uh, that was your breakfast. Uh, that was my own innovation. Yeah, don't worry about the goose. Um, okay, uh, we've got Emma as well. So let's do some quick introductions. Kalpesh, do you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Who are you? What it is you do? Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Kalpesh. I've been in the staffing sector for. 26 years and counting. Um, so my day job today is I do a bunch of advisory and consultancy work with high growth recruitment companies, HR tech companies, rec tech companies, um, and also with corporates. I, you know, I somehow ended up talking to corporates about how to impact DNI and social mobility issues as well. Um, I love this sector. I've tried to leave three times. Adam's going to laugh, um, but I keep coming back for more. But um, so that's me in a nutshell. Great to be here. Kalpesh Baxi, wonderful guy. I've just shared his LinkedIn URL and chat stream. Please make sure you connect with him. And we have Emma Murrington as well. Emma, I'm sure people know you already, but why don't you quickly intro yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Sure. Thanks, everyone. Happy New Year. Good to be back. Uh, so my name's Emma. I'm managing director of the firm, and we are, it stands for the Forum for In-House Recruitment Managers. We are a membership training and consultancy in the talent acquisition sector. Fantastic stuff. Um, and the reason why I wanted to crush you two together is simply to, you know, look at it from third party supplier point of view and also in-house point of view as well, just to see whether those two things are either looking in the same direction or skewing off in different places and what have you. So let's talk about forecasting 2024 agency side first, Kalpesh. What are you what are you reading um, uh, from your uh, the co companies you advise and the, the recruitment companies that you speak to? So I think like, to echo um, Powell's um, points earlier on, right, um, we're, we're going to go for an interest to market. The typical trend, and I, I tend to talk to anyone from big corporates to the mid markets to the solos, so I've got a pretty good read. Um, if I take the first eight days of 2024, job flow has been pretty strong. You know, most companies have come out feeling very positive, very bullish about things coming through. I think the overall sentiment is that we are going to probably have a tough Q1 as the world still tries to work out what's going on and what's normal. Um, but, um, you know, typically my, my conversation with everyone is if 2024 is basically even the same as 2023, the difference is we're coming into it knowing how the landscape is going to be so we can adapt and make sure that we support um, support our customers. I think I just want to drop a stat, not to take away from Indeed, because Indeed have the bosses of all numbers. So Forbes had an article that came out a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it talked about that the the um, CEOs and the heads of TAs or chief people officers that they interviewed, 61% said they're going to invest more in 2024 in this space than they did in 2023. Half of that budget is going to go into AI tools. If you take that down into the supply chain, you know, and, and it's really hard that we talk about recruitment globally, we have got some real big events happening this year. Over 50 countries this year have got elections. That's a big, it's the most nuts year in recent living memory. So, so my, my, my short answer from a recruiter's point of view is it might be tough, but good recruiters are still going to prosper. Yeah, and there's two things that are interesting you mentioned there. Well, you mentioned loads of interesting things, Carl Pesh, but two things in particular. The investment on the tech, I think, is a, is a very clear signal I'm seeing as well, where 
companies are looking to basically rationalize their operations and seeing this is a, a, an opportunity to really get essentially turn all of their human recruiters into times 10x type capability um, and you need more tooling uh, to do that. Does that mean that some of that budget might have previously been spent on extra headcount? Probably. Um, so it might mean there's going to be less kind of uh, recruiters doing that role, but the, the recruiters that are there will have better tooling uh, to succeed. And secondly, it's not, uh, we should not underestimate the 50 elections thing because what happens in elections is that the incumbent governments typically do giveaways to try and get the votes. Um, so you can expect over the next um, 12 months, gov governments are going to start saying, right, we're going to do this, that, and the other tax break, this, that, and the other thing to try and stimulate whatever, make you feel good in order to go and do more recruiting. So I think things will happen because of the political imperative, the political incentive. You may argue that's a misaligned incentive. I totally agree with you. It probably is. But that there's lots of politicians going to want to be reelected. That's going to probably translate into um, decisions that will help uh, us in recruiting. Um, okay, uh, switch to you, Emma. What are you seeing from the in-house uh, side of things? Sure. So in our annual report, we asked people in, in terms of, sort of vacancy volumes, et cetera, and what their uh, anticipated needs are in, in 2024. And around 45% said that their hiring levels are actually going to increase in 2024 versus last year. And 18% said significantly. And when we say significantly, it's by 25% or more. So that is really encouraging. I think in terms of people's areas of focus from a talent acquisition perspective and sort of where they're going to be spending their time, um, the top three priorities haven't really changed from year to year. So candidate experience, EDI, EDP and employer brand, they maybe have changed the priority orders. But what was interesting is sort of in, in the top five, for the first time ever in the history of the report, the, the survey, data metrics was in fourth place and automation and AI was in fifth place. And we are seeing a real sort of trend around efficiency, people um, conducting process reviews, uh, target, target operating model reviews. Um, and I think it's because people are really trying to understand how they can prepare for the advent of AI in 2024 and beyond. I think Emma gets, <clears throat> I think Emma gets a, better, a better picture of the world than we do on brain food, Hung. Impossible, but go on. <laughs> well, the reason being that, that like, um, I think Emma's membership is like such a broad range of companies from very sophisticated through to like organizations with just one recruiter in it. Whereas, yeah. and that's the same for, that's the same for brain food, but people on brain food are like deep into generative AI and stuff like that. And I think Emma's audience is probably reflects the actual the actual everyday uh, yeah, recruiter. I'm always quite surprised, actually, even sort of with the events that we host or, or speaking to people, because I expect people to be sort of looking looking ahead. But I think sometimes, you know, if you're incredibly busy and you're a recruiter, you might have 70 requisitions that you're recruiting for. So you're dealing with thousands of candidates and you just don't have time to get your head out of the weeds. So it can be really difficult. So, yes, absolutely. I think there's sort of a few people who are very much sort of ahead of the game. But for many of our members, I think this year is really seeing well, what, what, what is going to happen? We need to wait for legislation to, to come into play as well from the data protection perspective. So I think this year is a year where of preparation and uh, and really where people sort of understanding sort of where the potential efficiencies could lie, what changes they need to make uh, and what they actually need from an, from an AI perspective. I do think we're going to see a lot of transformation and change in terms of how people are structuring their TA teams. So uh, as usual, people are expected to do more with less yeah, I do think there's going to be the, those strategic projects, the, the big changes, big ATS upgrades, the big, okay, we're going to redesign the organization. Actually, we're going to bin that function. We're going to bring this one in. Uh, that type of thing is what's going to happen, I think, in, in talent acquisition this year. Um, okay, question to both Kalpesh and Emma. Let's talk sectorally. Um, what sectors do you think are up? Which sectors do you think are down? Just give us the honest take on that. Kalpesh, you first. Yeah, so I'd, I'd, I'd sort of challenged Adam politely on one of his comments earlier on in the chat, the chat about tech, tech being down. I think it's one of the things more broadly, I think, you know, as recruiters or anyone involved in tech, we get confused with job titles and industry sectors. So I think it's, we've got to be really, really clear. So for me, look, the tech sector has a challenge at the moment, but tech jobs is down. So if you think about the number of people hitting the unemployment queues around the world, all of a sudden we're not seeing a spike in all these candidates sort of being out of jobs so the hot space is more broadly is look if you're involved in healthcare education in some way shape or form 
Um, life science has seen a bounce back coming through, you know, in terms of some of the areas that, um, um, particularly around sort of that early clinical trials and early stage um, works. Um, in terms of if we're going to talk about technology particularly, the, the, the world of data science and AI, it's a super buzzword. People are still trying to work out what this AI-type job title is going to mean in the, in the world of work. Um, but I think that if you are in the ones that are struggling, or anyone that is, it can be automated, it can be eliminated, or it's any roles that actually through COVID we realise they're a luxury, they're the ones going. But even going back to your point, Pung, we are struggling, if I just talk about London, we're struggling for hospitality people. Those jobs are not going to disappear overnight, but we have to find a way of training people up to fill those roles. Yeah, I think that's a persistent crisis, although I'm a pessimist on this um, because I think we've we've probably got to the point in terms of cost of living that we're not actually able to pay the salary. That's the reason. And we were obviously previously very, very uh, fortunate to have essentially access to essentially EU students, um, uh, you know, young people just coming into the UK, big flow every year, guarantee 300,000 to turn up. They're going to get a job, first job somewhere. Okay, you barista, you're 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 a service someplace. Uh, that's like, and that will be maybe three months before that person actually goes on to do what they want to do. But the constant flow of talent coming through would give us that opportunity. That's been cut off, and we we literally have no way to backfill it. Um, so uh, so yeah, I think hospitality. You know what? If there's any hospitality recruiters out there, let me know what you're trying to do to fix that problem. Uh, it looks to me like super insurmountable, but um, very interesting recruiting challenge. Um, Emma, your side from sectorally, where which ones are the which sectors are the are the people actually saying, yeah, twenty five percent increase? Was there any discernible pattern? Yeah, definitely. So sort of similar to what's been said before, but pharma and healthcare definitely ongoing needs and and, and big challenges to recruit in those spaces. So skill shortage issues too, uh, and then sort of on the the other side, similar to the latter part of last year, so construction. We're also seeing in the UK public sector freezes too. I think the only other thing that I forgot to mention from not sort of just from an external perspective, but big focus on internal mobility in 2024, which we touched on before. I think LinkedIn said that 2024 was going to be the year of the great stay. So there's going to be a huge focus on, on companies in terms of how they sort of retain, manage, motivate their, their employees. Yeah, it will solve a lot of basically critical external hiring problems if you could do better job just retaining staff and cycling them into, into different roles rather than just have them, you know, jettison out. So I think a lot of big companies would definitely be thinking along those lines as well. Um, all right. Um, guys, we're going to have to let you go. Uh, Kalpesh, do you want to say something? It looks like no. Are you sure? The last opportunity. No, um, that's fine. Listen, you two are just amazing. We we'll have to bring you back, obviously, um, a, in a different format and give both of you a longer time on screen. But we're gonna have to rattle through this one, uh, given our uh, ensemble sort of approach today. Uh, but thank you so much for your education. It's been wonderful having you, uh, Kalpesh Baxi and Emma Merrington. Thanks, Kalpesh. Thanks, Emma. Thank you. And I think you know, my my uh, my wife used to work for S three. Uh, Kalpesh was her favorite, her favorite colleague in the whole company. <laughs> no worries. I did not know that they knew each other, actually. Um, fantastic. Um, good to know. Um, and, and say hi to Holly for me, by the way. I, I probably haven't dropped that note over. Um, but OK, folks, we always do this in the middle of every show because it's very important uh, that Brain Food Live is a conversation starting show, not a conversation stopping show. But we do have to come off air in about 20 minutes or so. Um, so if you're interested in this topic, you're interested in thinking about what's happening a little bit, kind of 12 months down the line and what have you, and you want to connect with other people that are also interested in this uh, discussion, now is the time to grab your LinkedIn URL, stick it in the chat stream. If you're watching this on any of the LinkedIn's, grab your URL there and stick it in the comment thread uh, wherever you're watching it, and then just connect with everyone else who has done the same. Uh, now, I've had feedback uh, basically that everyone who does this basically accepts the connection request. Um, so you're not going to get anybody blocking you or thinking you're spam or whatever it is. We're all basically trying to grow network. Uh, so this is a great opportunity to do it. A couple hundred people watching this, so no reason why you shouldn't walk away with 30, 40, 50 new connections uh, that are all, according to Adam, like super on elite <laughs> edge of their game. So uh, go ahead and do that. Okay, fine. Let's bring on our, our final guest. We've got Letitia Vido and we've got Bas van der Hattart as well. Um, good friends of the series. But let's uh, let's bring those two on and we'll see what they've got to say on their particular domains. Um, let's bring on Letitia. Uh, there she is. 
invites and bring on Bass as well. Be interested to know what their verdict is in, in our conversations so far, actually. Um, but I think we're, I don't know, I'm pretty comf comfortable with the general sense of where we're at. Um, you know, it, it's not like it's mysterious. Um, it's going to be a tough year, but I think, uh, was it Kalpesh that mentioned that actually we're walking into it with eyes open a bit more this year, which is which is very, very important. Uh, there's Letitia. How are you doing, Letitia? I'm doing great. Hi, Hong. Hi, Adam. Hey. Oh, and there's Bass as well. Wonderful to see you, Bass. Hi, Bass. Hi. Great. Why don't we do some quick intros? So, Letitia, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? I write about the future of work from a feminist perspective for my own company, Cadre Noir, and I'm based in Munich, Germany. For another eight months, I'll return to France um, this year. Oh, you're moving. Where are you moving yeah. to, Letitia? Paris. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, hopefully, um, well, either way, um, it might be a, these two cities aren't too far away from London. So hopefully we'll get the chance to connect uh, in person at some point this year, Leticia. Um, just, way, in Leticia time. just in time for the Olympics. Yeah, sadly, that's not the right time to move. But uh, the school <laughs> year, you know, you have to start school. It's in September. So my kids will have to go to school. So I'll move uh, during the Olympics. Oh, by the way, uh, Letitia writes a wonderful newsletter, which I recommend everyone subscribe to. So, Letitia, do you want to just drop your link to the newsletter in the chat stream there? Just go sure. ahead and subscribe yeah. to that. You won't yeah. regret it. Um, Bas, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What did you do? Um, I'm Bas van der Hattert. I um, organize a big event in the Netherlands. I speak on a lot of events. And next week, my new book is coming live together with Kevin Wheeler, which is me an honor to be able to write a book together with one of our industry legends fantastic stuff and we couldn't get kevin on the show bass which is why we had to get you mate um yeah i know, know. Uh, <laughs> second best second best i know it's like darth we we asked the emperor but darth vader turned up that's it that's it it's a1 and a2 so equally as good um and bass i don't know whether that link to your book is available but if you want to just drop it into the chat feel free yeah, to do that. i did and i just um, put a 20 percent discount code with it <sighs> go ahead and grab that folks that's worth well, worth having okay let's let's have a review 2024 how does it look like from actually let's go to you first Letitia you, I love how you're very succinct and very clear as to what your mission is it's like future work and it's from a feminist lens which is wonderful um how does the world look like in this year as far as the gender equality gender diversity is going I see like lots of pluses but also a few like seemingly some negatives coming through as well so how do you how do you view the next 12 months uh, for when it comes to gender equality per se in the world of work um, several of you people mentioned the elections coming up, all those elections coming up, and they will affect hiring and DEI, but in a way that's not necessarily only bad. I think we'll go from DEI washing uh, post George Floyd. A lot of companies talked about DEI, but didn't necessarily do that much to doing more. Um, acting more, but in silence, in a context of um, where, where DEI is increasingly polarizing, wokeism, feminism, uh, immigration, all of those things are becoming taboo in a lot of countries where an anti-immigrant sentiment is really high and far-right parties are on the rise. They're on the rise in Germany. It's on the rise in France. It's, yeah. Definitely. Um, there's also the US with uh, Trump um, really dominating in the media. So all those subjects, it's best to not talk about them as much and do more in silence because there's still a need uh, for more uh, gender equality, for more DEI in general, because uh, we'll need to recruit. What was it that Pavel said? 1.7 million vacancies in Germany, 1 million in the UK, in a lot of sectors. Um, we need more immigrants, we need more women, we need more, we need more workers in a lot of sectors. So we'll have to do more. Um, aging, population aging is a big subject. There's a lot of people going into retirement this year. Again, it's one of those years where you know a lot of people will leave the workforce altogether. So even if there are no new jobs, just to replace those in place, uh, we'll need you know an inflow of people. Then we'll have more friction when it comes to hiring migrants, uh, immigrants in, in countries like France just passed recently an anti-immigrant law that will 
basically make more friction for create more friction for companies, more friction for everybody, make immigrants' lives just basically harder, more paperwork, more hassle, etc. And last but not least, the two big subjects that will um, you know, it, like be imposed on companies, um, housing uh, in a context where interest rates are still high. So, and if, even if they will decline this year, so renting a place is hard uh, and therefore housing is a big, um, is, a, is a big issue to hire new people. And care is a big issue so in a context of a huge health care and care crisis think the nhs in the uk um, but um, there's the, the equivalent in a lot of countries for lack of professional care the impact on the workforce will mean that more people will have to be absent from work to look after a sick child to because it's impossible to get an appointment to see the doctors uh, to look after an elderly parent because that person will not be looked after uh, cared for by a professional etc so the repercussion uh, for the sandwich generation in particular that generation that's stuck in between parenting obligations parental duties and caregiving responsibilities responsibilities towards elderly uh, parents in a context of a lack of professional care uh, that's not going to get better in 2024 if we follow the trends it's going to be tough uh, in that regard but it means um, i think companies when it comes to dei will do more to help their employees solve paperwork issues. And I'm very curious about, you know, the tech that will be developed to solve that for corporations. How do we solve all the, you know, the hassle that will be created or that is being created? More involved when it comes to housing, finding solutions for their employees, uh, and particularly in particular new recruits, and more solutions to help their employees solve their care problems or caregiving problems or caregiving needs um, how do we organize work differently so that it's compatible how do we give them the help that they need so they can be efficient at work yeah i mean leticia there's so much you mentioned there i mean this is another reason why we every guest should really have two hours on their own i think um but you mentioned some really important points the increase, the, the political situation this year with all of these elections, unfortunately, being anti-immigration is 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 a, is a vote winner. Um, so you can see a lot of like of that rhetoric going forward in all of these countries, which ultimately throws in friction into the labour market because you're basically saying these people let's make it harder for these people to actually get jobs. In which case, from a recruiting perspective, um, our problems aren't helped. Um, I mean, particularly you look at where the labour shortage areas were that Pavel mentioned, construction, healthcare, education, hospitality, that's predominantly a foreign workforce as far as I recall in the in the UK. Um, so, you know, if, if we're making it more difficult to hire those folks, then, you know, where are the solutions? It's going to be very interesting for us as, a, and this is not trying to get political, but as, as recruiters that have to solve the problem for the companies, how are we going to find those people? Are we going to get it from uh, the people who are semi-retired? Are we going to uh, try and create circumstances where, you know, women or carers, primary carers can come back into the workforce in some fashion uh, to do some of that work? Uh, do we look at uh, the formerly incarcerated? Um, you know, do we look at younger people? Um, you know, the conservatives love that. Uh, you know, there's press gang, the 14-year-olds who do it. But actually, maybe we need to. Um, uh, because if you can't pay a decent enough salary, you might need to go down uh, to younger people and have them work in some fashion. Have uh, children make, work again? Is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, to make your cappuccino. <laughs> like, how else are you going to keep it under five quid, you know? Uh, so, okay, lots of things to talk about, but we have to go to Bass, who's been sitting there very patiently. Bass, actually related to your specialism this, because yeah, uh, sort of all of this problem in hiring and, and trying to get people through process, um, do you see, what do you see happening on the assessment side of it to try and make, widen the, the talent pool? It seems that assessment needs to do two things. To widen the talent pool, uh, so you could, you got a chance of actually filling those roles, but also to be more accurate so that you're actually hiring people that are suitable for function. Uh, where do you see the world uh, from an assessment side 2024? Well, I, 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 um, 
as you know, we had elections last year and uh, uh, our extreme right wing party was the big winners, which basically means we're going to 1935 type of government uh, Germany. But uh, the great thing which is coming out of this is all of a sudden all types of TA leaders are telling me that they are now looking at DNI initiatives from a quality perspective because they don't have people breathing down their neck about DNI initiatives and they're now saying like so we can finally do what we knew we had to do without being called woke because some you know there's no more pressure um so they are looking at this right now unfortunately what i still see as a major problem is that most don't have a clue what they're talking about and still buying tools which are uh, questionable at best uh, uh, unscientific uh, and and nobody has their buying processes in order um, yeah that's that's actually a really interesting point like do you see a procurement in a revolution in 2024 because uh, like how, how are people buying assessment tech uh, um, uh these days um usually by asking somebody who, who also didn't know do you do you like it you know that that's i mean look at the number of postings on brain food of people who say which assessment provider should i choose with no extra information about what you're gonna, what qualities are you gonna assess somebody on? I mean, it's ridiculously terrible on how recruiters are unaware of their lack of skills to buy this. But um, what I actually see as the major game changer here is the AI Act, because all of a sudden. With the new AI Act, which was passed a few weeks ago in, in Europe, so which is going to be law within, except for Britain, sorry guys, you left. Um, but for the rest of Europe, we are now having an AI Act, which says hiring is highly consequential and uh, it has like the, the highest level of scrutiny. And you as a company are going to be, uh, uh, you can be sued if you bought a tool which wasn't validated. Um, now, there's a lot of questionable things in the AI Act. If I look at that, they're excluding some types of technology, which I'm like, well, actually, science did prove that there's a possibility there. But they're like, no, that can't be. That can't be. And they, they uh, uh, think that humans are infallible. Uh, from that point, there's still a lot to gain. But the fact that the AI Act will be there and uh, people and big companies and big corporations will need to get their act together might actually help us look at decent assessment tech. Do you know what? I think you might be right, because maybe a lot of those um, uh, companies were, were just waiting for some clarity on the legislative kind of environment before pulling the trigger on a lot of these these tools that they want to use so perhaps we'll see a little bit more okay um, I mean I know that I've, I've been a critic a little bit of skills-based hiring and a lot of people hammer me for it fair enough I I, I get that however um, you can see that uh, maybe a lot of companies would go forward to open the aperture in terms of the application flow and say you know what we're not going to look at the CV just come in to do this process and come in to do this exercise and from there we'll be able to figure out whether the skill set is fit for these types of roles in business maybe we'll start seeing more uh, uh, sort of alignment that way in other words, skills-based hiring becomes real but uh, and that also means implementation of assessment tech because how else are you going to do it well the the, the downside is that actually the uh, the ai act is very bullish on cvs which i am not but that also means that skills derived from cvs seem to be acceptable which you can question because the fact that you once did a job doesn't mean you're any good at it which is basically what the CV says, right? How many terrible recruiters do we all know? And according to, to their CV, they were a recruiter. So a skills assessment based on your CV says you're amazing. Um, but I do believe, so actually I think we're gonna see probably some more CVs, but I also see some really interesting technology coming out of there. I see some things which I, find highly questionable. I, I was recently uh, listening to the recruitment flex where somebody was talking about uh, uh, social media based assessments. 
I'm interested to see it, but I haven't seen a single one even come close to, to any validity or actually any uh, reliability. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting, uh, very interesting world uh, with a lot of vaporware, but now companies are, can be sued for using vaporware. Yeah, I think, and I think ultimately it's, it's going to be um, with the world as it is uh, and the state of the market as it is, I do uh, think that assessment tech and verification tech will be, uh, will be a, a, a up this year compared to sourcing tech and engagement tech will probably be down simply because the perception is there's more candidates coming through the pipeline, um, uh, particularly applicant flow being high as it is, or, or perhaps you've got this, you know, uh, uh, again, uh, AI enabled candidates and so on. But not only for uh, uh, applications and applications being up, uh, Emma made a, an amazing point saying we're internal hiring, internal growth. Um, nothing is better than having your the, the potential of your current employees uh, uh, already listed because you've used potential uh, uh, acknowledging technology. You know, what, are, what is the potential of a certain person? Um, what are their their base traits or their base skills? Uh, uh, and we've seen, and the, the funny thing is on that front, we've seen amazing scientific uh, advancement over the last decade, but they seem to be lacking sales qualities or something because everybody wants to hire on skills to be ready to go, hit the ground running. Um, and I'm always saying like, hire somebody for the job that that person could do instead of is going to do right now. Will we see a return to the hiring for potential? Uh, by the way, Stuart Jones, um, it wasn't anything I said uh, sort of verbally, but I did write about it. Um, uh, but I'll point you to where that was. I, I'm not a skeptic per se of the concept of skills-based hiring. My skepticism was a lot of people simply don't know how to assess for those skills. Um, uh, and we end up just doing interviews. Um, which does what exactly? Adam, I want you, an uh, interesting comment you mentioned there. So I want to leave the last word to you on this topic. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this story? It seems that something's happened here and it's kind of relevant to that last bit of commentary we, we've discussed. Yeah, I've got a couple of people coming and joining my team soon. And one of them um, I, I actually applied for a job, which I didn't, I didn't even advertise. I didn't have a job, but he's a recruiter by background. And he, uh, we were going to be hiring for this role, basically a, a, a mini mic, uh, a software engineer. And uh, he speculatively sent me a video of a, a kind of prototype that he'd built, which would be a really interesting aspect of our technology platform. Um, he came up with the idea himself. It was a great idea, conversational interface, sort of stuff that you like, Hung. Uh, and uh, and and it's it's more sophisticated than that. I won't go into it, but he he sent me a video of what it did, and then I got him on a call with me and Mike, and he showed us like the code that he'd used to build it. Mike asked him to tweak a few things. He did it live on the call, and we're bringing him in. It's going to be first of May, so it's a few months away. But we're 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 hiring this guy. His professional experience has been one hundred percent talent sourcer and and, and recruiter. He's he's tried he's tried to get he's tried to get jobs in uh, like uh, as a you know junior software engineer in other companies. He's never got anywhere at all. Uh, but his recruiting experience, of course, makes him makes him great for our company. But fact is, uh, you know, if he if he hadn't sent me that and showed me what he can do, we're definitely hiring for potential here. He's never been paid to do software development before, but he's good enough for us, and it's going to be great. Yeah, and the barrier to entry to tech obviously is is getting um, uh, lowered with the advent of generative AI. It's a great L and D tool for software, but it's also you can implement a lot of things with the technology without needing a, a, a super advanced engineer these days. So it was a very interesting talk about what the future of engineering coding looks like, and people say, look, it's going to be natural language. Um, so um, it should be a huge dem democratizing wave. Uh, on uh, software development. Okay, folks, we have to let it go there um, because time is up. Uh, Bas van der Hatta, really nice to see you, sir. We'll catch up soon, of course. Letitia, wonderful to see you as well. Uh, hopefully, we'll catch up soon also. Um, uh, we're going um, to be back next week, of course, folks. Um, so um, what were we talking about? Yes, 
Uh, we are talking about the state of tech hiring with proprietary data from Otter. Uh, so we've talked a lot about forecasting and all the rest of it uh, uh, today, bringing different sources in. Uh, but Finn's going to come back and he's actually going to just present some information from the platform. Um, this is things like amount of jobs, the activity level, uh, which sectors, which regions, uh, which companies seem to be more effective in hiring and why. Uh, what is the message length that gets the, in the interest rates? Anybody hiring for tech needs to sign up for that. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please follow the channel. We will notify you when we go live. Um, and uh, we will see you next time, everyone. Thanks for watching. Cool. That was all right, wasn't it? Great show. Really great. Great guests. Better timekeeping as well, wasn't it? Um, well done. Only six minutes over. I uh, know, but I, I got you. This is my. You kind of subtly put pressure on me to do that, and I needed to because it, it was like. I love listening to people. I love love people. I yeah, don't want to cut people off, but uh, I think keep it snappy and keep it moving. Um, that that seemed to go go better. So uh, there we go. Um, all right, bo boxing predictions, mate. Berbetiev versus Smith. Any thoughts? Callum Smith's going to iron him out. You think so? <laughs> Anything could happen, but I reckon Berbetiev's lost a bit of pace. Never had and pace, mate. He's just like Iron Jordan, like a big just, hitter, isn't he? Yeah, no. Well, so is Callum Smith. Callum Smith, so is he? I think he's only ever lost to Canelo, has he? Or has he lost to anybody else? Is, is Callum Smith one of the, the many Smith brothers that confuses everyone, right? So yeah, I, he's, Liam, he's Liam Peter, Paul. Yeah, there's like yeah. The, they're like the two Alangis in boxing, aren't they? It's like, it's just there's, another like four, Smith. there's four of them. <laughs> Yeah, or I'll tell you what I've been I've been doing a lot of research into recently is um, is like middle distance running, um, and um, oh, what's the name, what's that guy's name that Norwegian guy? Uh, oh, the eight hundred meter guy. Yeah, fifteen hundred five three thousand five thousand. Um, but anyway, he's got a couple of brothers. He's no, like no, he's the guy who keeps getting beat by Scots in the final of the World Championships. But yeah, he's he was like a prodigy, and he, he, he yeah, I mean. He, um, the, I've been reading about the Norwegian method, which is a specific way of uh, way of training. I've been uh, watching videos on it and stuff like that. Uh, Inger Britson, that's him. Yeah, Inger Britson. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's, there's three, there's three of those. Anyway, my reason for that was there's three brothers, three Inger Britson brothers who are all like world class, world -class crazy runners. Yeah. Crazy. All right, listen, I'll let Cheers. you go. I'll Bye. see you later, mate.